Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. And this episode is a motivational episode called Discipline Your Thoughts. Now, this is all I want to say, and I'm going to let you all enjoy this powerful motivational talk. For anyone that's new to Sober is Dope, I'm Pop Buchanan. I'm eight years sober. My drug of choice was alcohol. By the grace of God, I was healed eight years ago. I never looked back. I devoted my life to telling my story. I refuse to give up. And whether I'm having a good day or bad day, it's always an awesome day. As long as I'm sober, I put my sobriety first. I put my sobriety first. And I just wanted to say I love you all. And if you're new to the Sober is Dope podcast experience, Welcome for all our veterans and our day one supporters of Sober is Dope and the Sober is Dope universe. You all are well aware of how much I love and how much I believe that we need daily motivation. Zig Ziglar said it the best. He said motivation is like bathing. You need to do it daily. So sometimes we hear a motivational talk and we get pumped up for a couple of hours, then we totally lose the motivation. So I always try to scour the internet and find powerful motivational talks that I use under fair use and courtesy of the different people who put these beautiful speeches up. Um, we're very thankful to them. Um, but I do it to bring this aspect of healing to you. Motivational speeches and motivational content is healing. And today we're talking about no matter what you're going through in life, life is never going to really be easy. It's never going to really be a cakewalk and it's always going to be some type of fight. Whether you're fighting yourself, whether you're fighting your imagination, whether you're fighting fear, whether you're fighting addiction, whether you're fighting to get to that next level. But it doesn't have to be a nasty fight. It's how you perceive it and it's how your thoughts perceive the situation. So if we could discipline and train our thoughts to stay in a state of gratitude, to see the bright side, to be positive and to be strong and steadfast, Despite what we're going through, we're going to have bad days. We're going to have days where we feel totally broken, totally alone, stuck with our secrecies, not being able to express ourselves to someone, holding stuff in, dealing with shame, dealing with trauma, dealing with pain. And despite this reality, that's all part of life. And you have the good days and the bad days, but no matter what, you have to keep pushing. You have to keep pushing. And recovery is about pushing through despite what we may be going through on the surface. Addiction is giving up, giving in, and falling victim to the trauma and just throwing in the towel and letting the addiction self-medicate you and numb the pain and take over. But we know that's how the rabbit hole opens up, right? And you know that rabbit hole never ends. So... You don't want to go down that rabbit hole. You don't want to go down that shame spiral. You don't want to go down that way. What you want to do is you want to remain steadfast. You want to fight. You want to find your resolve. And you want to remember why you started and, re and remember that you're alive for a reason. And if, you, if you're strong and you find the strength, because we're all going to have moments of weakness. But when you dig deep and you find that strength within yourself, that's when you start to say, no, I want to live. I deserve to live. I deserve a second chance. I deserve forgiveness. I deserve a fresh start. 
I do not deserve to suffer. I do not deserve to go through this pain. I'm not going to let my thoughts and my imaginations drag me anymore. Okay, these are the moments in our lives where we have to start to say, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not giving in. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to hold my ground and I'm going to fight back. And most of the time we're fighting ourselves. But once you understand how to discipline your thoughts and not let any random act of life just come in and derail you, that's when you start to hit the champion stage. That's when you start to really, really, really level up. That's the real bag. You know, the rappers say we like to go get the bag, right? But there's a bigger bag we're searching for. You know, that internal, these internal riches, the internal bounty, where you start to feel alive again. So we want to go from death to life. We want to go from addiction to sobriety. We want to go from fear to, to, to empowerment. We want to reverse shame and activate forgiveness. You're listening to Sober is Dope. This episode is called Discipline Your Thoughts. It's a motivational key episode that we are providing to our listeners because we love you and we want you to stay amped up and empowered. So with no further ado, enjoy. We got some champions on here like Eric Thomas, you know, um, Mr. Wonderful. It's, it's awesome. Enjoy. I love you all. Sober is dope. Go support soberisdope.net, popbuchanan.net. Go check out my album. Go listen to episode one and support everyone that's in the Sober is Dope community, all our beautiful guests, and I'll catch you all on the other side. Love you deeply. Pop Buchanan, over and out. Peace. Life is not fair. And that is the reality. Disease and accidents don't care if their victim is a good person. They have no reason, no justification, and no mercy. And you cannot stop it. So, what do you do? Life's not easy. It is not. Don't try to make it that way. Life's not fair. It never was. It isn't now, and it won't ever be. Keep going because there's people that don't want to see you succeed. Keep going because you want to prove those people wrong. You want to knock the naysayers down. You want to make them your footstool. I'm telling you to keep going when you face opposition. I'm telling you to keep going when you face adversity. People always ask me like there's some magical response. How did you go from just coming from Liberty City selected uh, one of the top five speakers in the world. I was willing to work. Most people aren't willing to do that because I was moving. I want you to write this out. Keep it moving. One of the things that you don't want to do is, is become comfortable with where you are when you know in your heart of hearts you can have more and you can do more and there's a life for you beyond survival. And I just felt that I could do more. 
I say, step up. Be the one who people look to. Absorb the impact and the negativity. No matter what is happening, no matter how hard the fight is, as long as you keep fighting, you win. Only surrender is defeat. Only quitting is the end. So fight on. Sometimes you're gonna just say you just don't have it anymore. You must reconnect with your possibilities. It's time for us to rise again. It's time for you to rise up. It's time for you to make that first step. It's time for you to start grinding so that you can make it happen. We got a lot riding on you, and I'm telling you, greatness is here. You can be and do whatever you want, and nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you but you. Dostoevsky said that in Notes from the Underground, a great, great book. And, you know, he said, I love this. It was his, uh, an early criti crit criticism of the notion of a political utopia. He said, look, if you gave people everything they wanted, they had nothing to eat but cake and nothing to do but sit in warm pools and busy themselves with the continuation of the species, that was his, his lines, that the first thing they would do, well, maybe after the first week, was like go kind of half insane and smash everything up just so that something that they didn't expect would happen so that they'd have something interesting to do. And it's, it's so right because you know, the, the utopian notion that if you just had all the material stuff you wanted, that you'd, you'd be, well, what would you be? What, what would you do? Would you just sit on the couch and, and watch TV? I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd be, I don't know what, you'd be cutting yourself just for entertainment in no time flat, you know, and that's the sort of thing that people do. And so we're not adapted for security and utopia. We're adapted for a certain amount of security because, you know, we are vulnerable, but Mostly we want to have one foot out where we don't know what the hell is going on because that's where you're alert and alive and tense and with it. And, and you know, I think, I believe this, and I believe it actually has something to do with the hemispheric structure of the physiology of your brain, is because the right hemisphere looks roughly adapted to what you don't know and the left hemisphere, and this is a very, this is an oversimplification, but a useful one, is adapted to the world that you do know and the right place for you to be is halfway between them. Because that, and you can tell that, that's what's so cool. And, and this tells you that this is actually reality that's manifesting itself to you. You know that sense of active engagement you have in the world when things are working well for you, you know, where you're, where you should be at the right time. You're alert and on top of things and engaged and you don't have much of a sense of time and the sense of the tragedy of life sort of recedes and that's when you're, that's when you've got one foot where it's, where it's secure and one foot out in the unknown and your brain signals to you that you're in the right place by making what you're doing meaningful. And that sense of meaning is actually a neurophysiological signal that you've got the forces of the cosmos properly balanced in your being at that moment. And that's why it feels so good. Now, well, what else could it possibly be? I mean, you know, our, our, our brain is capable of looking beyond our vision. That's what it's for. And that sense of engagement, there's no reason to assume that that's anything but a real signal. And you can reduce it. You could say, well, the problem with being where you know only is that you don't know everything. And that's gonna be a problem in the future. 
And the problem with being where you know nothing is, <laughs> that's just too much, man. Like, you know, you go into panic mode and because anything can happen there and you can't handle it. So you got to mediate between those two things. You want to be secure enough so that your physiology isn't revving out of control. And you want to be out there in the unknown enough so that you keep updating yourself constantly, constantly, constantly. And that's, that's the place where information flow is maximized. And you know that because that's where you are when you're having a really interesting conversation with someone or you're gripped by a book or you're really into a movie or maybe something that you do as a, you know, apart from your work or maybe even in your work, you're into it. And that's because you are in the right place at the right time and your whole nervous system is signaling that to you. And I would say that's the sort of place that you should be all the time. Of course you can't be because no one's perfect, but it's, that's, that's the recreation of paradise on earth. It's something like it because you are in the right place at the right time when that is happening. I think people's relationship with time, we talk about relationships with humans. How's your relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with your wife? You know, your dad or your parents. But we never talk about a relationship with money and time. And the relation, your relationship with time is such a key component of your life because when you get caught in a routine, time goes so quickly. When you understand that there are maybe only 28 summers left, and if you want to truly, you know, get as much out of, experientially out of life, it just creates a tremendous amount of urgency. So, uh, and the fear goes away. Because you're like, shit man, no, nobody on the planet, like everybody, no one's gonna be here in 100 years. Do I care what he thinks that, like he's not, we're not gonna even be here in 100 years, so why would I take the chance? And it's just, I don't know, it's just so, I stopped writing it because I'm so aware of it. There's not a day that goes by when my head hits the pillow where I don't say to myself, like, you know, did I maximize the day and am I, am, and, you know, am I aware of my mortality? And it might sound depressing, but it's, it's not. For me, it's, um, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. You have to make that decision for yourself. You have to decide, I'm going to pursue that path, which is gonna be really, really hard and difficult and take many, many years and be a great sacrifice, or am I going to pursue being a great employee? Now, if you want to be a great employee, you got to remember something. You're hired to help someone else achieve their goals, which is cool, there's nothing wrong with it, but if you don't understand that, you are not going to be a good employee. So you have a boss and they say, here's our goal for the quarter, you're gonna help me get there. You work like hell to make sure that they achieve that goal, you're part of that team. That's very important. And then you keep moving up the ladder. And the great thing about that is if you're a good employee, you can also do very well. It's not the same as being an entrepreneur. You're never going to probably make as much money as you could have had you started the company, is my point. But you'll get the Saturdays off, the Sundays hang out, go to the soccer games with the kids, have a more balanced life. There is no balance in entrepreneurship. We talked about love and how to have love in a relationship. And... <clears throat> One of the complaints that I hear, or one of the issues that I hear in, in people's lives is that they don't feel loved, they don't experience being loved, they're not loved. And they're then left with this kind of tail chasing exercise, okay? Um, where they're on the lookout to love themselves first. I first must love myself, which is a, that, that statement alone is very insular. It kind of turns you in the way, all right? So 
which goes against the grain of love as an expression. Right? So love is an expression, but I have to love myself first. It doesn't quite add up, and you got to, again, you got to check this out for yourself, okay? So, what we got to uh, in my conversation with the client was that they themselves could see when they're being loved, that is, when someone in their life says, I love you, that they experienced love. And right away in the moment, it seems like I'm experiencing you giving me love. If you look again, if you actually inspect again, you'll see in the moment that they said, I love you, what you were actually present to was your own love for them. Now, if you again look in your life, you'll find there's occasions when people have said, I love you, and you didn't experience anything. In fact, for some of you, if you've had issues with certain people in your life and they say, I love you, you often experience resentment or upset or, you know, you might not always say it, but you'll experience it. That is, you can't experience that communication. You can't experience their love for you because you are not in the presence of your love for that person. Now, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that love is a generated phenomenon. That is, it's something I'm doing. It also tells me that love is not an outside-in phenomenon, but rather it's the other way around. It's inside-out. That is, I have to be in the presence of my love for you to receive your love. So, I want you to try it out this week. I want you to try out for yourself being in the presence of, that is, getting yourself connected to your love for people, the people in your life, um, and especially in those moments when they say, I love you. I want you to be present to it, like be there in the moment with it. 